This is Peninsula Talks. Time now to cross to our COVID-19 reporter, Piers Cunningham. He has the very latest for us. Piers, just before you came on air, I was suggesting that uh, Greg Hunt, pretty happy with us down here on the Mornington Peninsula, 94.6 of us now have at least a single jab and some 74.9 have the double. Yeah, isn't that good? And it does vindicate the calls from the Shire to the state government to release us from lockdown. You know, why should we be all locked up with the rest of Greater Melbourne when we're well ahead of uh, a lot of areas in terms of our vaccination rates. Interestingly, 69% of Australians 16 and over are now double vaccinated. And just giving you the figures on Victoria, we're expected to pass the 70% double dose target later today, although that'll probably be announced tomorrow. 1,841 new cases reported with sadly 12 deaths. So uh, that's off the back of 80,000 tests and almost 39,000 doses delivered in the last 24 hours. Well, I'll tell, tell you what, we're all looking forward to tomorrow night. Liberation Day is here. Mm, indeed, although, you know, there's been some complaints, particularly from hospitality businesses, that we're not going a little bit further as New South Wales is in terms of the numbers that are being allowed inside venues. I think at the moment it's going to be only 20 people. So if you're planning on going to the pub, you'd better book well in advance because uh, they're likely to be full. 50 people outside, and obviously you've got to be double vaccinated to, to attend any of these sort of places. Uh, and you'll also need to update your app. The uh, Services Victoria app needs to contain uh, your double vaccination record and that will then be combined with the scan-in data when you scan a QR code when you enter, in fact, any place, uh, but particularly hospitality venues, those kind of places uh, which do require you to be double vaccinated. So that's something I did yesterday and I noticed when I scanned into the supermarket, it does come up as, as it shows that you're double vaccinated on Services Victoria. So that's something that you, you know, people will need to somehow get their heads around, a bit of technical tinkling to uh, to do there, and uh, perhaps uh, younger generations can help out, as they often do, with that sort of thing. That would be a very good idea, Piers. We need all the help we can get us, old codgers, but certainly good to know that a couple of us at least have got the double jabs now, and uh, Mornington Peninsula Shire looking like it's ahead of many of the other local government authorities. Yeah, indeed. And look, overseas, I thought it was timely to update on what's happening overseas. In the UK, there's uh, almost 50,000 cases a day being recorded and an average of 120 deaths a day, very sadly, with recent increases driven by the spread, especially among secondary school children. So a rough winter with COVID is, is forecast for the UK and there is even talk, I've got a family member over there, she was telling me recently that there's even talk about them going back into some kind of targeted lockdown. They're still seeing the benefit of vaccinations over there, the high vaccination rates that they've got, but you head into winter, it's a seasonal uh, seasonal illness like many of the, the seasonal flus that we've had forever, influenza and the like. It does seem to spike in the colder months of the year. So, so therefore, there's going to be more of a uh, drive to get particularly vulnerable people with a third dose of the vaccine. Some interesting stuff out of the US recently, America went for a short interval Pfizer dosing, whereas Canada's northern neighbour opted for a longer interval between the first and second doses, giving them longer-lasting protection. So America went for a short interval because they were trying to give people maximum protection as quick as possible. Remember, they've had over 600,000 deaths in America, very sadly. So uh, they were very keen to take advantage of vaccines once they became available. It does seem now, in hindsight, that the, the longer the interval between the two vaccines, the better. As I mentioned, there 
are clear signs that the protection afforded by vaccines does wane over time and a third dose uh, is, is, is necessary, especially for the most vulnerable. In the UK, the NHS data, National Health Service data, is suggesting that uh, that actually the AstraZeneca protection seems to wane faster than the Pfizer protection, which is the other way around, was, was uh, seemed to be the consensus until recently. There's also a suggestion there's no need to tweak vaccines to accommodate Delta, just dose a third time starting with the most vulnerable. And also the third dose doesn't have to be the same as the first two. Okay, so you can mix and match a little bit. I wonder, I wonder what sort of immunity then the third dose is going to give you. Could we expect much longer-term protection, do you think, once you get your third? I think it's going to, the jury's going to be out on that. I mean, as it was with being double-jabbed and not knowing exactly how long the protection would last, right. we're now getting those results from places that went early, like Israel. They've successfully rolled out their, their third dose. They've also gone back to, to taking more measures in terms of masks and social distancing and all those sort of uh, basic things that, that are quite easy to accomplish. And that seems to work, but how long it works for, don't know. Uh, I guess you could look at this as like something like a seasonal flu jab that you have to have, which you know many of us have been having for years. You wait until the data comes in from overseas. They sort of collate the uh, what they what they know about the varieties of influenza that have been happening overseas in their winter, and they put together a concoction, and that gives you some protection. And some years they get it better than others. Some years the vaccine they come up with seems to be they get lucky and they protect against the uh, types of of influenza that come down here for our winter flu season, you can envisage just a similar scenario with the COVID vaccines. Well, look, they're going to have to be on it, I think, Piers, because um, I'm not sure whether you saw the article in the Financial Times, but it looks once again like the Delta strain is once again mutating and looks like it's a little bit more virulent as well. I think science in the UK a little bit worried about this new, what is it, AY.4.2? Exactly. So in the UK, about 8, 8% of new cases are that. It's actually a sub-lineage of the Delta variant. Wow. Uh, there's still very few cases of it in America. Researchers are saying they want to watch its development closely, but don't think there's reason to designate it as a variant of concern yet, as, as Delta is now designated. Uh, some scientists say it could be 10 to 15% more transmissible than the original Delta variant. Interestingly, a new variant is being created every two weeks, and only time will tell if a new Delta-like variant emerges. Uh, also, um, scientists are reporting that the, the best or the most successful variants are those that prize transmissibility over vaccine evasion, which is um, very useful for, for the virus in a world with billions of people still unvaccinated. And it's in the unvaccinated population of the world that the virus can do most of its mutating, potentially into more dangerous variants and sub-lineages. So and, that, and that, of course, brings on the argument about whether we go our third shots or whether, in fact, if we have any excess vaccine, it should be going into the developed world, particularly parts of South America and Africa, to stop the mutation of another variant that could come back and really get stuck in. That's right. And that's one of the sort of... The, that's going on, it's, it's been around for a while, that the need to take close attention to the developing world, which hasn't had uh, the same vaccine attention and, and availability that the richer countries of the world have had. And then the risk is that uh, if we ignore the, the developing world, then we could, you know, you can wind up with something that comes back and bites you 
later on because you're not prepared for the kind of variants that may be allowed to develop. You know, even in a country like Indonesia, just to the north of Australia, <clears throat> there's, there's concern about that sort of thing happening. Just another quick uh, point as well coming out of the Financial Times, Piers. I'm not sure whether you saw that one as well, but in combination, Pfizer and Moderna, in terms of world sales of their vaccines, $93.2 billion, $54 billion to Pfizer and 38.7 to Moderna. No mention of the AstraZeneca in the article I saw, but certainly some of these big pharmaceuticals, well, their bottom line is going to be looking pretty good at the end of all this. Yeah, that's right. So it does seem that the makers of the mRNA technology vaccines uh, are going to do very well next year, according to new forecasts from uh, Airfinity, the healthcare data analytics group. They're suggesting those two messenger RNA jab producers will uh, control three quarters of the non-Chinese COVID vaccine market in 2022, whereas rivals AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson and Rust Brush's Sputnik V and Novavax will make up the remainder of the market, wow. which is forecast to double in value to $124 billion next year. Incredible numbers, an incredible, uh, well, an incredible effort, really, a global effort, but certainly the big pharmaceutical is going to be turning over some serious chunks of money. Piers, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed for getting in touch with us. I guess locally, however, the good news is that down here on the Monitor Peninsula, it seems that we've taken the call to get vaccinated pretty pretty well, and it's all up uh, some 74.9 of us are now double vax, which is good. And in just a moment, Piers, we're going to be uh, crossing down to Peninsula Health in Frankston because they've got new VR technology down there, which basically takes your mind off any anxiety you might have about getting a jab. Oh, that's a good thing. So you can uh, you can throw on the goggles when they're slipping the needle into your arm. There you go. We're going to find out all about it just after we uh, have a bit of a chat to you. So yeah, that's coming up in a few minutes or so. Piers, once again, thank you so much indeed for taking time to talk to us today. We truly appreciate it. And we might book you again next week if that's okay. Yep, that sounds good, Brendan. I'll talk to you then. OK, adios. Thank you very much indeed. Piers Cunningham is our RWPFM special reporter here. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, where you'll find our complete back catalogue of over 600 podcasts. That's beyondinfinity.com.au. little bit of an update because we're opening up on Thursday, Thursday night, in fact, midnight, so, you know, keen people, as up in Sydney, when they came out of lockdown recently, there were the pubs opened at midnight and there were lots of people in those pubs celebrating their newfound freedoms. In Victoria, after 250-plus days of lockdown, we're going to be particularly interested in celebrating, but there are quite stringent numbers. I think it's only 20 allowed internally to uh, buildings like hospitality venues, pubs and the like, uh, up to 50, I think, outside. So you'll need to bear that in mind. And if you are planning to do something this weekend, for example, I suggest you book ahead. It's going to be busy, whether it's a haircut, whether it's a restaurant. Uh, because of those limited numbers, uh, there's going to be a lot of demand and uh, shortage of spaces, I suspect. And one thing that you will need to do, because you've got to be double vaccinated to go to to do these, enjoy these new freedoms that the Premier Andrews has uh, given us so generously after uh, this extended lockdown which is supposed to be short and sharp, wound up being long and rather blunt given our case numbers. You do need to be able to scan in as you would be used to by now when you go to places at a supermarket or a shop or places which you've been allowed to go to and on the, 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 the specified number of reasons you're allowed to leave home it doesn't end until midnight on Thursday this week. Uh, but 
you're used to scanning in. Now what you've got to do is you've actually got to marry up your double vaccination certificate, which gets issued to you once you've had your, your two jabs. You need to marry that up with the uh, Services of Victoria app, and that allows you to, uh, to when you scan in, uh, that Services Victoria app uh, takes the verified information from Medicare or from Services Australia, where it originates, and that goes into the, the QR code, records your, your entry. So, so in, other, in other words, in order to use the QR code from midnight on Thursday, uh, you, you've got to be double vaccinated, so you need to tie in your, your vaccination certificate, the double vaccination certificate, which is issued regardless of the type of vaccine you had, whether it was AstraZeneca, whether it was Pfizer, whether it was Moderna. Those are the three that are currently in use in Australia widely. Moderna, the most recent to be added. Uh, that's what you'll need to do. So it's not that hard. I did it myself last night. You've got to have uh, services uh, Victoria app installed on your phone and there are pretty clear instructions. You also um, ideally have the uh, vaccine information stored in your Medicare app and it just transfers the data from one to the other. So that's an important thing you'll need to do ahead of the opening up if you want to go out and enjoy some of your newfound freedoms. So that's uh, one thing that is changing. The other thing that I thought I would just mention, and it's kind of early because we're still, you know, we're, we're still working towards getting ourselves vaccinated in significant numbers throughout the country. I think a lot of new people got vaccinated. I think it was they had some record numbers just recently in the last few days of people getting vaccinated, which is really, really good. If you've got any vaccine hesitancy, then I suggest you uh, you do consult your doctor, a trusted professional. Don't get your information from social media or from the internet or Facebook, that sort of thing. Get it from someone who's qualified to give you reliable and informed information. Even though we're still yet to kind of achieve our goals of, of, of being double vaccinated, there is talk overseas where countries went earlier. So, for example, in the UK, they've had a higher number of double vaccinated people since early this year. And in Israel also, uh, they went very early. They were, I think they were getting the Pfizer jab uh, late in 2020. And what they're finding with, with people who are double dosed is there is a waning uh, effect of the vaccines and so there is a kind of a growing argument that you you'll need to have a third booster now there's all sorts of different um, ways that that might be done could be that you have a third a third booster of the same type as the first two that you've had it could be that you have a different type of vaccine it might be that you've had two astrazeneca the next vaccine you have might be a Moderna or a Pfizer. There's no problem with doing that, and it, it uh, kind of it adds to the protection you've already got from uh, the double vaccination you've had. Now, this is mainly going to apply to people who got vaccinated, you know, earliest in in Australia, uh, and they are they tend to be the aged people with uh, comorbidities, disabilities, uh, and frontline health workers. They're the people who got vaccinated first in Australia. They will be the ones who may need to be vaccinated with a third dose first. Yeah.